This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, June 19th, 2019. I'm Caleb Brown. This week, the Supreme Court handed down a decision over whether a public access station contracted to the government is, in fact, the government, at least for the purposes of enforcing the First Amendment. Cato was one of the first to file a brief in that case. Trevor Burris comments. Yeah, it's one of the core principles of Constitution in general, which... I think a lot of people understand. I hope I hope most people do that if you walk into Walmart and you have a shirt on that says F Walmart and they say you should leave, you can't say, hey, man, First Amendment because the First Amendment is – and other amendments to the Constitution is the law that governs those that govern us. And in most – almost every instance, uh, individual person can't violate or entity can't violate the Constitution. So one of the first questions you have when it comes to the First Amendment is, was this the government who did this? And we know, for example, that if you're a public university, uh, the First Amendment applies to you. But if you're a private university, it doesn't apply to you. But there's always some sort of between cases. Uh, there are some cases from uh, last century, the, over the last century, that dealt with company towns back when there were uh, towns run by businesses, and whether or not the First Amendment applied in those situations. And, and they have ruled that the First Amendment applies when you're when a private entity is running a town. But at other times, they have said that the First Amendment doesn't apply to someone who runs a shopping mall, for example, that the shopping mall is not a state actor issue, even though it includes permitting and land sales and things like that. So this case, Manhattan Community Access Corp versus Halleck, which really deals with a Manhattan public access channel called the Manhattan Neighborhood Network, came out of an editorial decision that was made by the Manhattan Neighborhood Network about not putting on... Of, they put on a documentary made by two people that criticized the network itself and its sort of uh, treatment of East Harlem. And then they got a bunch of complaints. So they decided not to put it on again. And then they eventually fired these two people. So they brought a First Amendment claim. But the, what we'd call in, legal, in the legal world, the threshold question was, does the First Amendment even apply to these people, this, this group, this Manhattan Neighborhood Network? And this is uh, uh, one of those things where there are all sorts of ways in which governments delegate to ostensibly private entities some sort of privilege or authority. So it's important that these questions be very, very clear. What did the yes, court it, say? Yeah, and that's a that's a big part of the decision in the case. Uh, we at Cato, we were one of the first, one of the only initial people to get involved at the cert petition level, asking that the uh, the court would take the case, because I read the Second Circuit opinion and I said there's something very dangerous going on here, which is that they held that the Manhattan Neighborhood Network was a state actor uh, because it performed a, fu a function holding open a public forum. Uh, that the government traditionally performs. And I said, well, that's a little bit difficult. First of all, you know, you could have a grocery store and you could have a community board with the grocery store where people are allowed to post things, but you're, that doesn't make you the government. The fact that you're doing something that kind of looks like holding open a public forum, even though you're a private actor, doesn't make you the government. And it could be very dangerous if we don't define that line clearly. And it, it would be relevant to some social media debates possibly going forward. But it's really important that in just free expression in general that we know the line between state actors and private actors because just as much as the First Amendment protects you from government censorship, it's also important for free expression to protect your 
private sphere where you can be the censor without First Amendment liability. Uh, if, you, if you're forced to carry some message that you don't want to carry, that's also a First Amendment harm. And the best sort of situation we have for free expression is this very robust and, and ecology of free expression, I guess it would be a good way of putting it, where private actors are allowed to sort of censor and, and, and say the things that they want to say and not say the things they don't want to say and not give people forums that they don't want to give forums to. And the government is restrained from censorship. So yes, the, having that line was extremely important. And, and when we filed at the cert stage and then it got granted and a bunch more uh, people filed, there was a lot of back and forth discussing whether or not in this instance, we had a strong opinion about whether or not this specific network was a government actor. We were less concerned, Cato was less concerned about that specific question and filing. I, I didn't really have a strong opinion about whether or not this specific network was a state actor, but I had a strong opinion that the Second Circuit had created a bad test that would erode that essential line. All right. So what did uh, Justice Kavanaugh write here? So Justice Kavanaugh, so it is a, it's a traditional ideological split, which was kind of interesting. I didn't think that would happen in this case where you have the five quote-unquote conservative justices against uh, the four quote-unquote liberal justices with Sotomayor writing in the dissent. But Justice Kavanaugh says this is pretty straightforward. Uh, it's not just a public function test. It's a, it's a question of whether or not a, a private actor is doing something that is traditionally and exclusively a role of the state. And he makes that very clear. He says it has to be traditionally a role of the state and exclusively a role of the state. And he says that in no way are public access channels exclusively or even traditionally a role of the state. Uh, he And he talks about things like the company town Tate, uh, case that I mentioned. That's a good example of something where running a town is traditionally and exclusively a role of the state. So in that situation, they said the First Amendment would apply. But running a public access channel, and if you just go over who runs public access channels in the country today, it's certainly not traditionally and exclusively a role of the state. Now, you brought up some of these issues which were part of the case and come up in the dissent about licensing and, and grants of government grants granted monopolies. So when you have a Time Warner cable is the one who sort of was uh, was told by the state of New York that they had to have some public access channels and whether or not that would make them into a state actor. But Justice Kavanaugh says, look, we're going we're gonna to have a pretty uh, good line here and we're not going to kind of get into this question of whether or not government licenses, uh, government uh, permissions to say lay down cable because that was one thing that came up in the case where this New York state government had given Time Warner permission to put cable in the streets, whether or not, whether or not that turns Time Warner into a state actor, all of those, you could, you could start really making that line, that essential line between state actors and private actors really fuzzy. So he says, the test is, is, it's not different than what we've said before, but we're going to reiterate that it has to be traditionally and exclusively a role of the state and public access channels are not that. So in this case, Manhattan Neighborhood Network is not a First Amendment, is not beholden to the First Amendment. Uh, Justice Sotomayor, who wrote for uh, the dissenters in this case, uh, she writes, by accepting an agency relationship, uh, presumably with uh, New York City, uh, the uh, network uh, stepped into the city's shoes and thus qualifies as a state actor subject to the First Amendment like any other. So going forward, uh, in cases like this, where you have uh, groups that have assumed some function that only the government can give to them, it, it, it seems like this there's a slightly clearer line, but there's 
a lot more questions really that can be answered here. Yes, it, it, there's definitely a clear line here. We've sort of reiterated the test. Uh, Justice Sotomayor's dissent makes some good points, but I think are kind of overstating some of them. And ultimately, if the dissent had been the majority, it would have made this less clear. Either way, though, both the dissent and the majority say that in this specific situation uh, with the, re the legal relationship between Time Warner, the Manhattan Neighborhood Network, and this, the laws of New York of New York State, uh, in this specific situation, either they aren't a state actor or they are a state actor. Both opinions are very narrow. And the majority opinion says that in a different legal situation where you have maybe government entities running the channels directly and then giving it to someone else, you would have a different outcome. And so in, in both of these, we haven't learned, I would say, a ton more about the line, possibly because in this area of law, public access channels, there's a bunch of different variations throughout the states about the legal relationships between the channels and the people who run the channels and the state entities. That legal relationship is what Justice Sotomayor focused on and said it was essentially a delegated power. Uh, Justice Kavanaugh looked at the exclusive uh, and traditional function test. And so it, it, there's a, there may not be a one-size-fits-all answer when it comes to public access channels. They're very contingent upon the local laws. But we have some better case law, maybe other things that are not very contingent like social media companies uh, and the kind of growing push to regulate those under the First Amendment. And that's not going to fly under either test. Uh, not that I'm terribly concerned about it under current First Amendment jurisprudence, but there is that push. And under either test, there's no there's no vote on the court to say that Facebook or Twitter or or any of those are state actors in any way. Yeah. And the, the concern uh, rightfully for social media companies is that uh, the government will effectively be able to coerce some sort of regulatory behavior out of these companies themselves uh, for fear of some sort of government retribution. Well, and that would that could change some some things if the government is does start coercing, as you said, the social media companies in different ways. Uh, you could have a different state actor test, which would essentially say that the Facebook and Twitter are so controlled by the government that they're being forced to make decisions at the behest of the government, editorial decisions, and that's a thing that didn't really come up in this case that much. So that's another possibility. It's a danger of, of regulating uh, these social media companies and not letting them be sort of platform within the ecology of free expression uh, that allow people to express views but don't have to carry views that, that they disagree with. So we could see some variants going forward. But right now, as we knew before, as we as we knew before this case, uh, there's there's no really decent, even decent argument that the First Amendment should apply to social media companies. And there still isn't. Trevor Burris is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.